Oh, hey there, folks. This is your host, Kay Gaffney of Service from Hell, and I am jumping on, obviously, to say happy holidays. This is a compilation best of episode where either moments you have emailed us about or moments that we ourselves laughed at really hard thinking about, we put together in one big old episode. So you'll get to hear guests from the very beginning of this year that was a whole 300 some odd days ago, which feels like a blink and also a forever. If you'll remember in the middle of this year, uh, I got COVID. And so we took a bit of a break and also we had a new partnership on the horizon. So we took some time off to compile that as well. But of the guests that aired, you're going to hear their best of. And we have a bunch of new stuff on the horizon in 2023. So look out for that. Special shout out to our Patreon subscribers and all of the people that keep us afloat. We literally could not do this without you and are so grateful to have you along on this ride for us. And thank you to all of our guests who give us their time. Uh, that is the most precious commodity that we have. And we are super, 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 super grateful. And to all of the guests that we met in real time on the show, uh, thanks for being on and to your people for reaching out to us. That's been a pleasure getting to know new comics and new humans and to all of the comics that have been on promoting their albums we hope that your sales are through the roof and that you are enjoying that journey because promo is hell and that's going to do it for us here in 2022 we are so grateful for all of your ears your dollars and your support and if you are not a patreon subscriber and can't become one no problem just subscribe rate or review the show do all of those things it helps it helps it really does it helps with the algorithm it helps people find us and it helps us feel like what we're doing actually matters so thank you folks for listening listening. Here's a compiled best of happy 2023. Happy holidays in general, and we'll see you next year. Awesome. Awesome. It's going to be great. Um, dear listeners, we have our downstairs neighbor who's uh, suddenly decided to jackhammer all of uh, everything. I don't know. We're yeah, not really he's, sure. He's the most quiet neighbor for the most part. And then as like, soon as... All the time. All the time. And as soon as I said to Megan, hey, how about we record today? His TV was blaring. Now he's building a wall or whatever the hell. Could you please explain what the experience is as soon as someone walks in. So it's a stupid place where everything <laughs> is dressed up like a rainforest. And there's you like, hate everything I th love. There's monkeys and gorillas <laughs> and uh, there's like a dory fish that swims around in the fish tank. And there's thunderstorms that go on every 47 minutes. It's my minutes. favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. And then in between the thunderstorms, they play the same three glorious Stefan songs over and over again. Oh, I didn't realize that. And the food costs like, it's like $40 for a hamburger <laughs> that was microwave. That's oh, the food is terrible. Oh man, you're there for the experience. You 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 are definitely there for the experience. And I'll say this, like I've talked about it on stage a little bit, and every time I say I was a waiter at the Rainforest Cafe, people start clapping, people start laughing. I get I've gotten like applause breaks and I'm like I it's not even a premise. It's just a sentence. It's I a was a waiter the at the Rainforest Cafe. Everybody knows it and everybody remembers it as a kid. I don't think our friends are old enough to have taken kids there and been like, this place fucking sucks. Yeah. I have okay. a headache. Get me, get me <laughs> get the, the hell, hell out of here. here. <laughs> we all remember it as kids. And as yeah. kids, you're like, I, I'm this in the rainforest cafe. <laughs> like yeah. kids are like, they're losing their minds. Oh yeah. I loved it. But that's not good for 
tips. Yeah, that it's the, not. That your parent, that the parents are annoyed Miserable. and in a bad mood. Yeah. What's the most outlandish thing you were like expected to take care of? You were like um, smoke alarm beep was going off, and listen, I'm sensitive to that. Like I, I, I can't sleep. Like it drives me crazy. Yeah. And she called me like this off hours, and the emergency line rang, and I was like, "What's up?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's it's beeping." I was like, "Well, it's like beeping, like it's going off, or like it's a low battery." She's like, "No, it's a low battery." And I was like, "Okay, not an emergency." So. I need someone to come here and change it. And I was like, well, change it yourself. Yeah. I don't know what it is. She's like, I can't reach it. And I'm like, well, what happened the last time? Like, how are you on earth? What are you doing? Are you paying your bills? Do you pay your taxes? Like, are you okay? Is there gas in your car? All right. Can you tell us about any other incident with managers? Yes. So there was a time when um, Chappelle notoriously just shows up at the store and a Chappelle night is always a late night and it's tough. And if if Chappelle comes to the store, it's usually after 1 a.m. And this was one night where he just happened to come at 10 p.m. And he happened to bring Chris Rock with him. And that is like you have hit the, the comedy jackpot and you paid $20 for a ticket and you're seeing brilliant people do their art. I mean, it was people that could sell out Madison square garden you're seeing for 20 bucks that are as far away from each other as you and I are, which is not far. So I was in what's called the original room. It was the second show of that evening, but it hid. And it was, I think this was like, by this point it was around 11. So Chappelle had worked other rooms and then he was coming to the OR, but we didn't know that. And I heard he was there and I didn't think much of it. And I was waiting on this couple and The guy was, you know, just quintessential New Yorker, but I love New Yorkers on the whole. He was the New Yorker of I'm new money and I'm showing this 20 year old how hard I can flex by being a complete piece of shit to you, my server, and also being loud, constantly having my phone out, like just pay attention to me. It's like, Clearly, this man wanted to be a comic at some point, which we get a lot of, and also didn't have money the way that he was trying to flex that he did. So he gives me his card. I keep moving through the room. Keep going, keep going, keep going. At some point, he and this woman leave. I don't see them because this happens a lot. This is why we physically take cards, right? So they've left. They've gone to wherever. And so I was like, oh, I got to close them out. They had a $250 bill. I was like, I got to close them out. So... I run the card, declined. And I was like, all right, maybe that was an accident. Run the card, declined. Manually enter it, get a manager, decline, decline, declined. And so I go to a manager borderline in tears. And I was like, because the second show of the night, I don't know how many days in a row I had been working. I was exhausted. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And in normal circumstances, and I've said this on the podcast again, but it bears repeating, in most normal circumstances, that is now a $250 bill that I owe to my job. And that is money I won't make in one night. And that is now two shifts that I would have to use to cover this bill in normal circumstances. Correct. In normal settings, that's the case. Really? Yes. So any Because technically it's your job to watch the table, right? You're, you are the gatekeeper to whether or not they leave. So this dine and dash crap that people think is adorable. You're not fucking over the man. You're fucking over the individual male or female or non-binary person that has waited on your table. You have now hurt, right? So the manager was just benevolent and in a great mood and said, we'll talk about this at the end. Don't worry about it. We'll figure something out. 
And I believed him because he's taken good care of me before. So I didn't totally break down, but I was still like, oh my God, right? So I have this $250 bill hanging that got separated to a different tab so we could figure out what to do at the end of the night. But I keep the card on me. Chappelle roams about in the hall and comes up into the OR and then Chris rocks in there and they're sitting in the back. The OR seats total, I think 150 people. So it's not a big room relative to the other theaters. So Chappelle gets on stage, does a whole set. I think that what had happened was this guy with his 20 year old, whatever, were, they were at the front bar, which was outside. So I think they must have heard Chappelle's voice because his laugh carries and his voice carries. And also the rumor mill at the comedy store is very tiny. So as soon as a massively successful person comes in there, you're like, holy shit. So they sneak in the back entrance to the room, which is over by the bathrooms. So customers are allowed to go to and fro, but that is also the server's main stairway into the room to bring drinks. So I don't see him come back in, but I had told one of the security guards who I'm close with and love, I was telling him the story and he was like, that sucks, Kate. Like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it's a bummer. And I said, but he had been giving me attitude the whole time, blah, blah, blah. So he sees that couple come back in because I described them and he was like, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. He sees them come back in the room. I don't. As he's coming in, Chris Rock is going on stage. So... Chris starts his set and I see that couple sit down and the security guard's like, Kate, they're in here. What do you want me to do? And I was like, oh, I got it. Don't worry. So I went over to the table and I said, oh, hi, excuse me. And he was like, stop. We're watching this. And I was like, stop. You walked out on your bill. I need a card that actually works. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you've handed me a credit card that doesn't work. You have a $250 bill you left the room and either I'm responsible for that bill, which I'm not, or you are. Could I please have a card? I'm sure I said it a lot nicer. I'm making myself sound like this, like beefed up strong person. I I probably was like, please give me a card. I'm so scared of you. (laughs) But for the purposes of the story, I flexed. It's your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Then I lit the room on fire and walked out. So some (laughs) hybrid version of what I've just told you is true. Anyway. So he goes, we paid the bill. And I said, you did? I was like, oh, where's the receipt? And he was like, you would have it. And I was like, oh, no, I have a declined card. That's all I have. And so he goes, unbelievable. So he gets his card out, a different card, and hands it to me. So, like, obviously, you knew what you did. And I said, and also, I'm going to need you to go. Because, and I don't say this to him, but, like, fuck you wait you can kick him out yup oh that's great. you walked out on an almost 300 dollars bill that's great because also chris rock and dave Chappelle were not on the marquee like they weren't meant to be there that night they just showed up you don't get to see them after you fucked me over like fuck you and that is one way that the comedy store will absolutely have your back like because that fucked the business too because if the manager was really going to be benevolent and get rid of that almost $300 bill the comedy store would eat that money right so fuck you twice so did did you run the new card before you kicked him out or did you no (laughs) no because you're not going to watch chris rock set while i run your card because also i have drinks to drop off and you're my priority 10 now the people who are actually paying and actually have drinks that they would like to drink are my new priority So he was like, you can't do that. Chris Rock stops performing because this guy's yelling at me so loudly. No way. And I'm speaking to him in a normal voice because I will never interrupt the art of someone on stage. I won't do it. Even if I dislike the comic, I just won't do it. It's disrespectful. Right. And I should be fired if I do that. And so 
I'm speaking to him at this volume. And he's doing one up, blah, 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 blah. And like getting super loud. And like, I'm an investment banker in New York and I've never been treated like this. I can't do a good, like believable <laughs> no, New York good. accent, but good. this is coffee talk. We're back to it. It's exactly so what investment <laughs> bankers from New York sound like. <laughs> he's Aquafina from Queens. Okay, this is him. And he's like losing it. And so the security guard who had my back, who saw them walk in, walks over to the couple and goes, you may, you may exit this way. Here's your exit, <gasps> you know, because... Some of the security guards, like that's what those are the people I I like ugh, friended up real quick because I was like these are the people that will prevent me from something happening to me. Like yeah. they're also lovely. So, but I was like, oh no, these are the people I need on my side. So he escorts them out, yelling, yelling. No way. Yeah, Chris Rock is not performing <gasps> because this gentleman is so loud. Gentleman used loosely. Loosely. Thank you for that. So walks down the stairs, and so he's in the hallway, like carrying on. Ah, Aquafina from Queens, I'm losing. So losing it in the and hallway. What's the girl doing? Oh, that's doing sad. The, the he did sort a, of, he, she she's bent her head down yeah. and holding her hands and looking very. Thank you. Resigned. I didn't. I didn't understand. This was an audio medium. Thank you, host. You're doing a great job. Um, which I really value add. <laughs> Ching. <laughs> Worth every penny. So I run the card, but I, well, first I drop off all the drinks because you can sit in the hallway. Fuck yourself. <laughs> So I drop the drinks, which is also my job. I run the card. I knew I was going to get tip zero. But in the meantime, a manager comes out because he's yelling so loudly. And the guy's like, I'm from New York. I have all this money. Like, come on, y'all. People with real money have walked through the doors of the comedy store. Do you know what people with real money do? They don't say I have a lot of money. Like they pay their bill. They pay. Well, come on. Come on with that add on. Yeah, that's improv. Improv. <laughs> well done. So yeah, Make so a different choice. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> We're getting derailed. Gaffney and stereo. I said it first. Gaffney and stereo. Anyway, so run the card, bring it back to him. I know he's not going to tip. And then he starts lying about what happened. So I should not have done like they, the comedy store should have fired me. God bless them for keeping me this night. I earned, if they would have fired me, I'd have been like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because I walked out. Uh, I agree with this decision. Yeah, this <laughs> is smart. <laughs> so I barrel down the stairs cause I'm hot and I'm Irish. And so I'm like, Very hot. yeah, well, I appreciate you, but I'm an angry. Um, maybe you did too. So nope. I barrel down the stairs with the credit card and I hand it to him over his shoulder. And he's, and I, as he's telling the story to the manager, whose back is to me, I said, that's a lie. That did not happen. You walked out on your bill and the manager turns and says, Kate, maybe you should go back in the room. And I was like, fuck, I'm fired. <laughs> fuck. No, wait. Okay. All you did was speak truth. Yeah. That, so I, agree you know, with that. I mean, but the manager, you didn't, you didn't de-escalate the situation, but you also didn't run in there and say what he probably deserved in terms of, which is eat verbal ass. Yeah. Beating. Yeah. You're right. I mean, thank you. But so, but also like it was definitely out of line. Like the manager was definitely handling it. And I got it talking to, as I should have, the manager was like, Hey, when I'm handling a situation, you're going to need to let me handle it. And I was like, super fair play. I should I have let that. backing you up. Yes. With facts. <laughs> right. So anyway, so, but the manager did have my back as far as kicking them out. He gave them like passes to come back because that's just what, what, you, what you do. I get, I what? get that play. Here's why. Because you need to think you need to think positively of the business and i've given you a negative experience even though you created it you created it by stealing from the business do you want someone like that back at your store though they'll never come back people like that uh, that's actually not accurate it, some of them come back but but those are the people whose faces like i could i could paint this dude i remember his face to a t because 
you just do. In the same way you remember the people that are uh, extremely benevolent, you you remember the people that are attempting to just ruin everything for everyone. So, and he said, he was wow. like, we were planning on coming back and blah, blah, blah. And, and here's the thing. You communicate that to the person you gave the bunk card to then. And you say, we're going to come back. And I'd be like, cool, cool. Going to run this card in front of you. And when we both agree that there ain't no money on that card, you're going to give me a different card. And what's funny is, um, you remember that scene in Christmas Vacation where Chevy Chase gets that that bonus? Yeah. He's thinking it's going to be the money for the pool. I had the exact same scenario. So at this warehouse job, they saw that I was pretty good with computers. And so instead of running around in this freezing cold warehouse to like pick orders, and it was a logistics company and, and put stuff on pallets and ship it out, um, and you're kind of working up a sweat and you, your, your body heat's going, once they saw that I was decent on the computer, they, they put me at a desk in the middle of a freezing cold warehouse. So I felt like I was a security guard. It's like some Siberian prison or something. Oh. So I was sitting there and you could see, I could see my breath and I'm trying to type and my hands are, are shaking. And then they did Christmas bonuses and they go around and, and I'm expecting them to like, you know, they're, they're kind of going from one person to the next and they're handing envelopes over and they're handing envelopes over and they're like, and, and then, you're like, here it comes. You know, we, and, and I'm like, here comes the payday. And they hand me my envelope and I open it up and it was a $15 gift certificate to the honey baked ham store. No, no. <laughs> How hot were you when you got that? And that was, that was the moment I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I've, <laughs> I don't I want your ham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that ham and I'm going to throw it in your face. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you're like, my fingers don't work. They've frozen off and I get a ham instead. I'm not here for this. <laughs> so did you did you walk out in a huff? Were you literally in that moment? You were like, I'm out, I, out. I, no, in my mind, I did that. I didn't do that. <laughs> um, I just didn't show up the next day. And then my supervisor called and my buddies. So my first like job job where I had to like clock in and there was a schedule was delivering wedding cakes when no. I was 16 years old, oh. maybe 17, 16, 17. What the fuck? It was insane. What were they doing letting a teenager do, handle something that's the biggest part of the wedding? Dude, you have, when you first asked me to do this podcast, I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to have like that many jobs or stories. And then I remembered it like all came back to me and I was like, Holy fuck, that was the craziest job I've ever had. <laughs> you have to tell me everything. They made us put cakes. So I couldn't drive my own car, which one, insane. i am only been driving for five minutes. Yeah. I mostly know how to drive my own car. They made me drive this like massive like Ford Explorer that they had taken all of the seats out of the back. So it was just you in the passenger seat, empty in the back. And they just slid the cakes back there. No, ma'am. No case. No, ma'am. No box. What? No strap. No box. Chelsea, Nothing. what? What? Just cake. Wait, how, why no on box? A platform. Because it's hard to get a box big enough to go around these like tall, massive cakes. Oh my God. It was a nightmare. And I'm driving. So I lived in Broward County, so like north of Miami. But most of the weddings that we did were in like Miami proper. So I'm driving through. Miami, like through the a big city. city, through like on I-95, which is like seven lanes wide, like massive with just a cake. <laughs> and then for listeners, you don't know, I am short. She's a tiny I am person. Five feet tall. My arms are not very long. They're <laughs> child length. And I would have to carry no these like five tier cakes. No. 
insane. When I think about this, I'm like, how? What did I need this money for? What, uh, what did you need the money Nothing. for? Nothing. My dad specifically said, don't work. He was like, you're in high school. Your job is just to get good grades. You know, like that bullshit. Sure. Which, very privileged, very lucky. Yeah. And I was like, no, dad, I want a job. Oh. I'm responsible. Oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. So how did you, was this like a posting in the newspaper? Like, how did you find out about this? So my best friend's brother worked at this cake shop. He was like a baker. And so he worked at the cake shop and he had tried to get his sister to take the job, but she was smart and, and was like, no. I'm going to go work at Jamba Juice. That makes <laughs> way more sense. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, wait. So they load your car up with cakes for multiple weddings is how I'm understanding. Usually this. one wedding at a time. Okay. But not strapped in. No. What, what the, what the, what was the logic with this? I don't know. And then they also were just a very poorly run shop. So they would be like, oh, by the way, we're about three hours late with this cake. The bride is probably going to keep calling you. Don't answer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. By and the by, someone's going to flip out on you, teenager whose arms are too tiny to drive. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they would be like, we're not picking up. We know we're on our way. Just get there. Three hours like that poor bride late and then I also had the job of they would give me flowers so when I got there I had to take the fresh flowers and decorate the cake with Chelsea them. this is insane I forgot this all about insane. this until you asked me to do this podcast <laughs> can't even because it's traumatic were you in there like freaking out like what if you put the flowers in the wrong spot on the cake terrifying I was always scared of being yelled at there were times when I was showing up and the ceremony was already happening no and I was like quietly in the other room like putting this cake here horrible I just set up fountains because we also would do like quinceañeras and stuff and so people want like a fountain with their cake I don't know people are tacky yeah but it would be like here's this little fountain and I would have to like go get water plug it in make sure the fountain it was and then is that where you tapped out or were you like now it's time to go to college uh, now it's time to go work for the Ponte Vedra Enon Club Golf Club, where Ooh. I am a golf cart attendant because oh, I'll be making more way money. Way more money. Yeah. And I have a friend who's gotten me a job there. Okay. And that was my second job and actually more interesting than the first. Wait, why? Because more things happened. <laughs> well, I mean, arguably, I guess it's a golf club where people are drinking. I would say this is my worst job. Wait, why? Uh, this is the uh, for the question later. I'm yeah, assuming yeah. you're going to ask which was the worst. I'm going to say it was a, this one. I gave this some thought. was because there were moments that were terrible. You know how in a relationship that when you look back on it, if the good outweighed the bad, mm-hmm. then you see it as a good relationship. Sure. If the bad outweighs the good, you see it as a bad thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there's enough. It's still a good experience, but there was enough bad in there that could teeter on the bad experience. Okay. Here's one. As a golf cart attendant, one of your jobs is to get into a metal golf cart with a metal cage around it and go pick up the range balls. So there's hundreds of them. So basically, it's just you hook up this contraption to this metal golf cart with a cage around it, hook up this contraption, and then you drive around the range like you're vacuuming a carpet. Jesus. It's an easy, mindless job. It's fine. But could you also get hit by balls? Well... I think you see where we're going. Oh, shit. So what happens every time someone goes to pick the range, the golfers now use this as a target. Oh, fuck off. Are you... That's not what I thought you were going to say. Well, I mean, it's just... It's inherent. Like, there's now a moving target in front of them as they are shooting a projectile forward. That could hurt you. Well, you see where we're going. Oh, my God. 
said, Kevin. So one day, as I am driving, so you go up and down, the, the striations you make are uh, back away, and then you're driving towards the golfers at one point, and you turn around and go back and come back. And is there like a rake or something at the back, or you're physically having to get out and pick them up yourself? There's uh, the, there's a contraption hooked up to the front of the oh, metal golf the, oh, got it, that got is it. picking them up. Got it, okay. Yeah, as you just drive over them. Okay, okay. So it's like a vacuum cleaner. That's what you're saying. Okay, sorry, yep. Yeah, so, um, and they end up in little baskets. Got it. So on on this particular day, as I'm driving towards the golfers, one guy gives me like a Babe Ruth type point and he hits it. He hits either the best drive in the world or the worst drive in the world because what happens is he stiffs it. So as opposed to it shooting off the club in an arc and going up, it shoots off straight like a bullet. Oh my God. It shoots straight forward and it breaks in <gasps> through the metal of the cage and embeds itself Kevin, an inch from my ear. You could have died. Then you know exactly where this is going. Oh my so God. As that's embedded in there, then I get out of it and I start waving my hands, say, we're done, we're done. And I just walk back in into the clubhouse. How did you not immediately find that fucking dude and lose it on him? Because you were 19, 18, 18 19, yeah, and yeah, you didn't I, have it. I don't know I that I would have lost it. I was in shock and like, what, what could that's I do? That's fucking terrifying, Kevin. It was terrifying. You know what it was? It was like an opening scene in the in the show Six Feet Under. Ooh, 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 yeah, yeah. Like that, huh? This guy's dying in a few minutes. Like it's gonna yeah. be like one of those weird deaths. Spitting on anyone, full stop, is disgusting. Gross. But also, like, what? Yeah. Over a fucking Hit. carnival, punched in the face all the time. Besides I always the have friends that are punching? like, you should be a boxer because you don't care about your face. Because I will lean into it. Like, I getting hit in the face, probably because it happened so much when I was a kid. Give me a ballpark. How many times? 60. Jesus Christ, Jen. Yeah. Some of them not so hard, obviously. I don't give a fuck. Women, You're putting men, hands on kids? kids? Yeah. Oh, I would have. Drunks get mad if they don't win if they don't win that prize. You fucking know the games are rigged. It's a fucking carnival. They are not rigged. Okay, Jen. <laughs> we not gonna see eye to eye on this one. Okay, girl. Everybody wins. Wink. Okay. Wait, I cannot fucking imagine. I like legit don't even know. People are horrible. Yeah, facts. Yeah. But how would you react when you, I mean, I know you say you lean what in, you but say? would you? Well, by the time I, you know, shake it off, somebody already tackled the dude. Jesus. Oftentimes my summer love. <laughs> Fred had your back, girl. That's so sweet. See, that's why summer love is the worst because it ruins you. You're like, this is real love. Oh, it's the worst. Okay. <laughs> But was I'm there, so bad. You are. Was there an incident that made them ask to speak to your manager in any of these jobs where they were like, no more Nick Nunez. We're going above above this person's head. Okay. Um, all right. So. <laughs> Chambered story. Can't wait. Here we go. Yeah. No. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to. All right. So the one Club Monaco incident that I got. Um, <laughs> Can't wait. So here's the thing. I, I think I'm polite-ish. Yeah, you know, you're very meek. Yeah, you know, but like, <laughs> my issue is one of one of my yeah yeah one of the issues that isn't brought up to me constantly by other people, but I've <laughs> noticed about myself. So you know, is it a real issue? Uh, is that I uh, I just curse casually where mm -hmm. other words would suffice like in a way that's a little jarring sometimes. So um, I was at Club Monaco once again. If uh, 
if you listen to the first part, um, I was there to uh, be a man who stays downstairs and does not talk to the people who shop there. Also, Club Monaco, not like Club Med, actually a clothing store yeah. for my you yeah. know, can you, audience that's normal. Can you be from a coast, please? Like, you know, you're embarrassing <laughs> yourself in front of me. Um, <laughs> Keep going, you wise ass. Yeah, so... Uh, so you're a basement one, Yeah, I'm a basement dweller, uh, and they're like, and that's where you belong, and that's, you know, stuck with me, and that's why I have imposter syndrome. But uh, anyway, <laughs> thanks for therapy talk on SiriusXM. <laughs> Um, but no, so I'm upstairs, like stocking something, not supposed to be up there for long. I'm going to be up and gone. And a woman comes up to me and she has a tag out for a shirt from Club Monaco. And she's like, excuse me. And I was like, yes. And she was like, uh, the size it's, uh, extra small. And I was like, uh, huh. And she was like, but next to it, like there's a line and next to it says TP. What does the TP next to XS mean? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, it also says S and then P next to it. Do you think that the P means petite and the XP or no, TP means tray petite? And, and I didn't mean this as mean as it came off. But I said to her, if you know, then why the fuck would you ask me? <laughs> And immediately, one of the upstairs people just jumps right in and is like, Nick, they need you back downstairs. Can I help you with whatever? But I earnestly, I didn't mean to sound that mean. I just earnestly, why the fuck would you like? It's such a Manhattan thing. You didn't even mean fuck aggressive. It just means the. I was just really confused. But like, I was like, you solved the mystery. Congrats, Nancy Drew. But like, why are you bringing me? And now I'm kind of happy because I'm like, oh yeah, now I know it. But like, it's fine. But like. You know, seriously, like I'm, I'm a downstairs person. You're Don't bring your theories to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, I'm a troll. Don't yeah. ask me about the bridge. Yeah. Wait. So they asked, did she then say I need to speak no? To the but she had an angry face on, and yeah. I was told later on, do not speak to customers anymore. <laughs> like it was just like an end of day. Just like all right, so we did great. Quick note: nobody <laughs> in particular is being. Um, but if you work. <laughs> In downstairs the you stay there <laughs> don't talk to customers and i was like i looked around and there were like six people there and one of them works in the fl- in the whatever i'm like all right you could point a finger like it's like me. we figured it out yeah we know it's, it's like yeah exactly it's just like you know that's like if there's just one person who just comes in just like you know yeah <laughs> never mind yep, i'm just like yep yep, yep 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 okay. yep Okay, when you were there, mm. would you get to decide what movies were played like in the store whilst you were there? Oh my god. Well, uh technically no. It was supposed to this actually is bringing back uh memory and I don't know if you ever came across this, but it was like basically a a, a sampler that we would play. So it was like it was just like a bunch of trailers of like oh. new releases on loop though. You know, so like oh. you would hear, you know, uh god what the fuck was coming out like you know like the like the devil's own or some shit and it was just like over and over and over and then there was music in between oh that would make me crazy it was did i mention that i uh play by ear and i hear i hear all the it was like a certain kind of torture oh it was a certain kind of torture yeah would you go home and just like match it on the piano i just i'd try not to pass away when i went home i mean yeah (laughs) match it on the piano i first became interested in film scoring from the (laughs) The torturous job the I had at 15 years sizzle old. reel from 1995. <laughs> Shout out to Blockbuster in Oregon. Uh, okay, so you so you do that summer to summer. I do it summer to summer, yeah. 
And then, yeah, I guess. And then I just went, went to, to college, college yeah. or something. You tricked them into letting you in. Okay. I did. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> how many customer service jobs would you say you've had total? Oh, wait, actually, wait, don't answer that yet. Okay. At Blockbuster, was mm. there ever a time where people got like emotional about a movie not being there or something? You, you're nodding. It's good. It's yeah. An audio I, there's, I can't, it's, it's all kind of like meshing into one, but people were pissed. They would be pissed because they wouldn't usually it was because like you would get the old movies that were like a seven day rental no problem i forgot about the limits if it's yep. a new release you only get it for what two one three, fucking one day. day some of them were one some of them were two Ooh. i think oh what a different time and then i you could you could call and be like hey do you have this movie in and if not when's it coming back and so then people would call you could put it like you could hold it for them and if you held it for a and that fucking thing wasn't there, and especially in Lake Oswego, Oregon, by God, oh. you better watch out. Wait, for real? For yeah, real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, would, would, be they would just scream at some 15-year-old mm. mm. for something you couldn't control? That's correct. Now, uh, I will say that there were a few times when I put it on hold and forgot, <laughs> forgot to, to put it. it on hold. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, maybe I messed up. Who can remember? Let's not split hairs, but uh okay. yeah yeah okay so when you were doing that mm. what would they so they would come in and they'd be like you told me this movie was going to be here and yeah like so w was it because the proximity of where that blockbuster was was such a hike for some people it, you know what it was kate gaffney i think it was more <laughs> the general vibe of lake oswego oregon at that time oh i gotta know which is a very homogenous uh white affluent community uh, and they wanted their coffees and they wanted them mm, now you yeah. know what i'm saying yep listen Vibe. everyone who lives in Lagos we go god bless and you yeah. know you know what I'm saying yeah. and there's a lot more a lot more there's a touch more diversity there you know now yeah. but and also like I feel like it's easy to take it out on a kid kind of you know I feel like adults because we really I when you like look at pictures when you look at pictures of 15 year olds that didn't come out right but like <laughs> they, they're so little they're babies they're so fucking young you know yeah yeah so I don't know, but um, I just can't imagine. Can you imagine losing it? On, I can't imagine no. losing it on a fifteen-year-old at no. fifteen. No, like, I can't. It's like also over movies. I know this is this is what this podcast was born out of. Was but people dude, it just was losing like, it for stupid shit. Yeah, but also like there was there was no anything else. Like there was no net. There was no stream. It was like sure. that was your entertainment. Yeah, and if you like had a family evening planned and it was fucked, then you're you, fucked. And now you got to deal with your kids. You got to deal with your kids. You got to talk to your husband who you hate. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. Sounds like torture. Because you're gay, probably. <laughs> Let's be real, real. talk. <laughs> my, my dad never took crap from people. Like it, I, I, my brother would tell me stories of things he would say and do to customers who gave him a hard time. But you know, I was he trained me to be polite and to take a lot of crap. Mm, Irish. And um, we do that. Y yeah, you know, and so. But you know, they try to incentivize you at Pizza Hut with your name tag because you got Chris trainee. And then two weeks later, Eric, the manager, mm. who loved pornography, it was always in his oh, office. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he would always have stacks of a magazine called Gent Home of the D Cup no, in his God. office. Yeah. And, you know, the waitresses would come in to hand their time cards over. They'd have to see Gent Home of the D Cup on yeah, the desk. He would have Gent and Jugs, so sure. you kind of knew what Eric liked. <laughs> butts. Eric Clearly was, butts. Eric was so weird because one time we were in the kitchen... Late at night. I'll get back to the name tag. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted, yeah. Eric was, you know, he seemed older, but he's probably in his late 20s sure. then. And I don't know if he'd taken a couple of pulls in his car or something, but he, he was a little loopy. <laughs> pulls and, for uh, the non-Irish crowd means drinking yeah, beers. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and we had a radio in the kitchen. 
and Smuggler's Blues came on, a Glenn Fry song that was very popular in like 1984, 85. And there's a real cheesy guitar solo, and Eric began air guitaring to it. And then he's like, come on, Chris, get into it. And I'm making a pizza. I'm like, no. am I supposed to air guitar with you? <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, you know, I love rock and roll. You know, you know I really like John McCartney. I'm like, no. who gets a Beatles name wrong? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, that, that was Eric in a nutshell. But Eric, about two weeks in, it was like, hey, Regan, come here. Got a new name tag for you. And he gave me one that said, Chris, production professional. This is okay, but someone like Eric, I'm gonna shit on your joke now because Mm -hmm. Eric is someone who like took a lot of pride in being the like kind of drunk pizza manager guy, and like it was significant for him to I had made it I had made it past that. But there was a ranking above that. Oh god. Which Augie and Jim held, and they were two guys in the kitchen who they both had like a drunk driving uh, accent like every weekend. Augie's not writing books. Like, Like Augie and Jim would come up usually report to work Monday with some sort of new black eye or missing tooth or something. And they were, I kid you not, they had gold name tags that read Dough Master Supreme, which was... I'm sorry, I thought you said Dough Master Supreme. Is that what you said? Dough Master Supreme. It was the highest rank that you could get in the Pizza Hut kitchen before you went to manager. Now, would these get raises? Like after you... There would be raises. Okay, so after trainee, now when you're you're the production professional... I got like an extra dime or something a week. All right, now we're up to... Three sixty. Yeah, and the, the, the Dough Master Supreme guys might have made around four. Well, but they had to do a test in front of a district manager where they had to make stuff very quickly. And Pizza Hut had some of the best pizza I have ever had in my life. So, like, I appreciate this kind of shit. Well, to be it's honest. consistency. Yeah, you know, every large I can remember. Well, back then, every large pie, large pepperoni had fifty-two slices of pepperoni on it. That's awesome. Yeah, it had a big chart, and we had all, all your baskets, and they really took pride in that. Yeah, yeah. And, and they took a lot of the guesswork out of it. So ideally, the product would always be great and the same until like Augie or Jim, both of whom had braces. <laughs> Someone, and DUIs. Yeah, yeah. Someone returned a pizza that had a braces rubber no, band in it. No, yeah. no, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. I'm so fucking gross, Chris. Oh, my God. And Augie and Jim were like, uh, probably the production professional. I'm like, I don't have I don't braces. Have braces, you stupid fuck. I'm not the guy. God. But you, you would do a test in front of the district manager. He'd be there with a stopwatch. Damn. And, um, you know, uh, if you could hit all your marks under this, you became Dough Master Supreme. Damn. And Augie and Jim were so... They they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. What? Like, <laughs> like we had... When you took a big pan out of the conveyor belt oven, you grabbed a specially made wrench, you slipped the pizza out of the pan onto the cutting board, and then there was a hot pan shelf and a cold pan shelf. And then you would put the hot pan shelf where it was marked hot pans. So when you would grab to get another pie, you wouldn't hit... Burn your fucking hands. Yeah. Augie and Jim could never get that straight. How? <laughs> How is that hard? And I would burn my hand. And, oh my God, And it Chris. was, you know, I developed a bit of a rougher edge working in a k- kitchen. I'd be like, God damn it, Augie. You put a hot pan in the cold pan yeah. area. And he would hold his gold oh, badge no, out to not. me and say, you want to wear this? What if you he... want to wear this? No, I don't, Augie. This isn't goals. I just don't want to burn my fucking fingers off. Was different before. I were, I also worked the front desk of the spa at Trump Soho. Oh boy. Oh boy is right. Now I can tell you some stories. Right now. That 
will blow your fucking mind. I'm ready. If you're ready to have them recorded, <laughs> girl, I'm here. Let's go. So I, I worked there from 2011 to 2015, which praise the Lord was right before I quit literally as Trump announced his candidacy. I was just about to ask. Thank God you were out of there before then. And let me tell you the dirty business that that family is involved in. Okay. Cause I can tell you first fucking hand. So they owned, they had owners, they had like co-owners of the building. One of which was, is like, I think it's called like BlackRock. It's like that. that Oh yeah. Yes, yes, ma'am. Sure do. I think BlackRock is one of them. And the other one is the Sapir family, which is a Russian oligarch family. And I personally met them like several times because they would come into the spa and it, they are truly everything you would imagine. Like (laughs) it was, I mean, like it's not questionable whether Trump is involved in like Russian oligarchies. It's, I saw it with my own fucking eyeballs, like wow, truly wild. Yeah. Truly wild. Those were, I worked there for four years, which was about, three and a half years too long. <laughs> I was just going to ask that too. <laughs> oh my God. It was well working at a high-end hotel. You know, and it's funny because when I worked on the administration side of it in public relations, you know, you're not, you're not um, front of house. So like I was sort of enamored with the, the ideas of, of service. Like I, I, I loved it. Like I loved like the culture and now it makes me sick. Like Mm. now it, now because you you see it from the other side, from like the, the front facing side and, you know, like the customer is always right. It's like disgusting, like throw up, you know, like, and just having to be that person to, to receive (laughs) those kinds of guests. Yeah. And oh yeah, I have so many stories. That was that's probably my service job that has the the most crazy stories. Can you think of anything offhand? I mean the the Russian oligarch shit is pretty crazy, but can you think Oh absolutely. So there was this one time, so like we were spa, so we offered all these like spa services and it was very like international hotel it's in soho new york can i interrupt for just just for people who don't know new york so soho that neighborhood is can you can you just describe it for the non-new york audience uh south of houston soho (laughs) is a very like high-end neighborhood loft apartments million dollar apartments very shishi like you go you literally get off the subway there and it's just like models everywhere like there's a lot of film there's a lot of photo studios a lot of models just so many models. models yeah it's this it's this really weird area of new york but very high end at the time that i worked at trump soho it was like kind of the hotel to be at like we had a lot of celebrity guests um, I met a lot of my comedy idols and act very, acted very weird around them. <laughs> uh, like I'm not a starstruck person, but when you meet like your comedy idols, it's different. Like, and that was the other thing too. Just to like touch on my caveat with working in service. Now, I will not work a service job anymore unless I can be my full self. That's lovely. That's my caveat. And like. When you work in a high-end hotel like that, that's very corporate. Can't do that. You cannot. Nope. You, like you can't be yourself. And I would 
push the envelope when it felt comfortable. But for the most part, like, you know, you're expected to kind of be a robot, you know? And yeah, so this one story, this one's so great. So we had like lots of, we did like lots of massages and facials. So we have like massage therapists and estheticians. And one of my favorite uh, estheticians was this woman named Marina. Um, and she coincidentally also Russian. She was a tiny <laughs> what? little, yeah, she was this <laughs> tiny little Russian woman. She was so funny. She was just like, so like tiny and adorable and hysterical. We had this guest that, you know, when they check in for their appointment, like you can you already know. tell, mm-hmm. you can already tell like mm-hmm. how this is going to go, mm-hmm. you know? And she was like this international guest and she was just very cold and kind of like, you know, like, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, and like most of our guests. Mm-hmm. And so she had a wax appointment and like in the appointment book, like for waxing, you had to like put every, like you're charged per part, like whatever part you're waxing. <laughs> yeah. When she booked it, she booked a lot of parts. You know, she, like, she booked the legs. She booked the thighs. She booked, she booked the labia. The arm, she booked the nipples. Ma'am. You know, you can, ma'am. Yeah, you can wax it all, honey. You can, you can rip hair off of whatever. Anywhere you there's hair. For the, okay. For the right price. Yeah, sure. So, how much was a nipple so, wax? Do you remember the line item? Oh how much God, that I cost? Each body part was like $35. I will like die. Yes, like hundreds of dollars to like wax her whole body. Okay. So, so she goes into her wax appointment and I think at one point Marina called downstairs to the desk in the middle of the appointment. And that's always like, oh, what's happening? Uh-oh. And she called down and I was like, Marina. And she was like, <laughs> and she was like, we're going to need more time. She wants more wicks. And I was like, okay. So I like add more time. And then it's like coming towards like the end of like her appointment time at the end of the night. And I was the only one at the desk. I think it was like a slow night or I was the only one working or whatever. And I hear Marina, there was like this long hallway to like get to the locker room and the treatment rooms. And I hear Marina like, like coming down the hallway, like, like hoofing it. And I was like, Uh and so I like step out from behind the desk and I like look down the hall and Marina is like coming for me. And I was like, Marina, are you okay? Oh my God. (laughs) And she was like, I drop off guest in locker room before she come out. You'll need to add everybody to check. (laughs) I want nipple. She make me wax leg four times. She make me wax arm. I wax her chocha. I wax her asshole. You add every part to this check. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm like on the computer, like adding all the things. And like furiously, because this lady's going to come out like any minute oh to pay her bills. So I have to make sure that her bill is correct. Sure. And so the woman comes out and, you know, very high end service. Like we have like a dossier for the check and you, I print out the check. I put it in the dossier and fold it and I slide it across the desk. She opens it up and she goes, what is this? I did not get this waxed. And I was like, I'm sorry? Like, wh- um, which part? I was like, oh. like, Marina. And I'm trying to be like delicate about it. And I'm like. So not your labia you, then? <laughs> could you point to me on the check which which service you feel you did not receive? Oh, that what a diplomatic like, way of saying it. Well done. Yeah, see why they hired yeah, you, girl. Like, 
right? Yeah. Because how am I going to tell, what am I going to say? Show me your pussy. Like, show me your bare fucking. Show me your butthole. Like, show me your raw chicken pussy that we just ripped all the hair off. You know, like. I'm dead. Like, bend over, let me see that, that like, fresh asshole. You know what I mean? Like, what could I say? So she was like, she points out, she's like, I did not get this. I did not have this. I did not have this. And I was like. And high-end service, you just got to take it off. Come on. Of course. And then she threatened me. She was like, you need to, like, take it off the bill because I know the owners of the hotel. Fuck off. And I I will, I'll speak with the manager if there's a problem. And, like, so I'm the only one there. Like, I don't even have, I don't even think I had a manager, like, there or something. So, yeah. She basically got, like, free asshole pussy wax, like, she paid for like a fraction of the services that she got. And I always find that so funny. Yes. Because I know what you're about if to say. You have worked in service, rich people yes. don't pay for shit. shit. Yes. And that is why they are rich. Yes. And it's so gross. It's so frustrating. Like, yes. So gross and frustrating. And I literally like. Because yeah. you wouldn't be able to live on that. So what'd you do? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I obviously made it work. I'm, oh, you know what I did? <laughs> Here we go. You know what I did. She's covering her face. What? I know it's a visual podcast, but do you see these holes in my arms? I did. And honest to God, I noticed that earlier. And Is I was that like, about the myth? <laughs> no, unrelated. No, and I know. I was like, um, are those freckles or are those holes? No, those are holes because I religiously donated plasma for like six years. Gracie Simmons. I, the po- I we have completely. to end. We have to end the podcast right now. I, I don't even. My, <laughs> were, did you owe money to the mafia? How much? Like it doesn't cost this much to live in the Midwest. Did you pay for your own school, your own college? Oh, I. It's just me, so I paid for literally yes everything, every dime of everything I've ever had. Y'all, we have some really lovely listeners. Can y'all fund the next project Gracie wants to do, or can y'all just reach out to her, ma'am, ma'am? So you have permanent scars. Yeah. I Those, mean, I pretty, mean, they're pretty large. They look I like actually, track marks, straight I up. Know. And I was I like, forget about them often. I thought I was like, oh, maybe they're freckles. I've mm. never noticed those before on your arms. We've hung out a hundred times. Mm. I've never noticed them. So you have permanent track marks yes. from donating plasma during the same yes. time. Yes. Ma'am. Because, I mean, you get, it's like two hours of a week and you, you get money, get like a hundred bucks, you know, or whatever. This is how psychotic <laughs> all of us in entertainment are. We are all unwell. I literally sold my body. To be able to do this work. Yes. I, like, you have, it has to be a higher calling yes. from a higher power, from God, from something, because otherwise we would not be equipped to do the stupid yes. stuff we have to do to be able to float this career. And this I'm, is insane, yes. Gracie. And I'm like shockingly good at donating plasma. No, like, please don't say, don't like, say that sentence. Gracie, what like, does that I mean? I do it so fast. Okay. Too. So I think people don't know yeah, why so, that matters. So okay. can you. So like you Gracie. go in and I mean, b- Plasma is weird too, by the way, because it's it like hurts. It's just like when you donate blood, except the needle's ginormous. They're massive. There's a special machine that some genius invented, who's like a billionaire now, where they it separates your blood from your plasma, and then <laughs> sounds so. T- wow, when you step outside of something and then explain it to somebody, <laughs> you realize how insane you are. Then the machine keeps your plasma, but then puts your blood back inside of you right away. Yeah. So it's it'll crazy. do. 
however many trips of that it needs to do before it fills up the bag with plasma. So you want to have like the least amount of time possible so you can get out of there quicker. I mean, you're still going to get paid the same, but it's like you're freezing because then they put a big old bag of saline solution inside of you to like mm-hmm. compensate for that plasma. Oh my, gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> so I always took a blanket. I took headphones. I had like either movies I was going to watch or scripts I was going to write and or read through. And yeah, I could do it in like like six, five or six treks sometimes or whatever. It was that called. is so fast, crazy. That can't be good. So, what was your iron count like? I mean, I guess you're getting oh, your blood girl, back. I was so. like anemic, they, like crazy. They, I mean, the place I went was legitimately like the cleanest. Like they were so serious about your health. So you did a questionnaire every time. Then they took your blood pressure. They took your iron. Like they pricked. The worst part for me was always finger they pricked your finger, yeah. and then they take your iron, and then they take your weight and all that stuff. And so then I learned like, okay, if my irons are like, I made sure I'm eating spinach or you know like I. Also, it turns out like iron supplements do better if you also take them with citrus. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I'm not that. a doctor, but I'm a comedian. So <laughs> that, that could be a joke or it could be Green real. and salt. Yeah. So I would do that to make sure because my iron would start like there, if there was times where like I couldn't donate because of my iron, that was like so devastating me, especially if it's on your second donation of the week. Because yeah. the first they get you by getting that second one because the first donation, they're like, oh, here's 20 bucks. But if you do a second donation that week, you get like 80 Gracie. Yeah. I I can't even, my brain, like, I can't take this all in at once. So you have permanent track marks from yes. donating plasma. <laughs> so were you donating plasma at the time of the alarm job? Yes. How'd you have time, Gracie? Yeah. So it's like, also, you can only do plasma two times in seven days, and you have to have 24 hours in between. So I usually did it Monday and Wednesday afternoon, and you had to, like, schedule, like, pretty far in advance. But it's like if I couldn't donate on Monday, my whole system is off then. Because you need the money. Yeah. So it's like it's serious that I get to do this. And then they would do bonuses too every now and then. They're like, oh, your eighth donation of the month, you get $100 or however much. So it's like you want to be in there donating. Gosh, I totally forgot I even did that. That's crazy, Gracie. That's crazy. So, I mean, God bless. Like you were doing a good thing Mm -hmm. and earning money. But I don't – so how how long did it take for you to have – like how many times do you would you guess you did that in your um, life um i mean so there's what 52 weeks in a year i did it twice a week that's like 104 times times six years so like greasy so like what 624 times do you have any plasma left in your body uh, sure i mean there's a lot of saline i'm sure <laughs> And we only sold seconds and irregulars, things with streaks and holes, you know, cheap carpet that you could not find anywhere else. It was brand new, but it was hideous. And but you know, there's the quality was great, but you know, it was flawed. So people loved our bargains. And because we were the only ones that offered them, you know, we didn't have to take any shit from people, you know. And so we were r- routinely rude. Mm-hmm. 